and it's a, a joy to be able to worship alongside of you. I, I love our family here, and I'm just thankful for how God's at work. Uh, just being able to, to praise Him, sing those songs together, um, but to be able to see the pictures of life change, how God is raising the dead to life. And for those of us in this room who are Christ followers, we, we feel that, we know that, we've experienced that. And so when we see these pictures of people going from death to life and baptism, what that means, it, it does something inside of you. As it just reminds you of the redemption that's been purchased for us in Christ. And so it's just such a blessing to get to be a part of this each and every week. The family gathered together. Uh, and I pray that we wouldn't take these moments for granted. The church isn't something that we just kind of pick or choose to come to when it's convenient. Uh, but it is our life. It's, it's so much of what it means to be a Christian is the gathering. It's us coming together and celebrating the Lord's death and hearing the word preached and encouraging and seeing life change and all those things. And so I just pray that we wouldn't take that for granted. Um, our prayer this morning are the words that we just sang to be true. Over everything, he's our redeemer. Over everything this life has to offer, over everything that comes to us during the holidays, everything our heart's longing for and expecting, he is our savior. And those words, God with us. We're going to explore what that means this morning. We've been walking through our Advent series uh, for a couple weeks now, and we've talked about how in our hopelessness, God brings hope. And we see that most clearly in the season of Advent, how in uh, our distress and our confusion, God brings peace. And that peace is found in Jesus Christ. And this morning we're going to be talking about joy. The thing that we all crave, that we long for, is joy. And joy comes to us through Advent. And the word Advent means arrival. And so we as a church are taking uh, this month to look at the arrival of Jesus Christ, the first advent uh, that all of the Old Testament people, the saints who were before, they were looking and hoping and longing with expectation who this rescuer would be and what he would do. And then that's realized in Jesus. And then we, on the other side of that, we look back at that longing, that expectation, that hope, what Jesus has done, and we also feel that longing and expectation as we look ahead to the second advent, when Jesus will come back again physically. And so we live between the now and the not yet. And so our, our purpose this morning and through this series has been to set our hearts, our minds, our affections on Christ so that we might live in a way that's pleasing and honoring and glorifying to Him fullness of joy to us until he comes again. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, in the middle of the Bible. If you don't have one with you, you can grab one from the seat back uh, in front of you, and we'd love to give that as a gift to you. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, you can take that. It's yours. Um, and so we just want to look at this, this beautiful book together. Uh, so I'm going to read from there, and we're going to start in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought contempt in the land of Zebulun, in the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You've multiplied the nation, here's our key word, you have increased its joy. So this passage is about joy, the joy that you and I long for, the joy that Israel longed for. They rejoice, return to the source of their joy before you, as with the joy of harvest. 
If you can imagine like a farmer and all that tilling and waiting and expectation of the crop and the harvest comes and the joy that comes with it, that's, that's going to be the joy that we're going to find uh, in the one who's promised. Keep going. You've multiplied, I'm sorry, as with the joy of harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you've broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Amen? On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So we're going to dive into this beautiful passage today. I'm going to pray for you. Would you just pray for me that God would open our eyes this morning, speak to us, change us through the power of the Spirit. Lord, we pray and we just thank you for the opportunity again to worship you. Lord, I bring nothing to the table. This is your word. And so we pray that you'd be glorified through your word. Holy Spirit, you'd open our eyes, uh, that you'd convict our hearts, that you'd change us this morning. We thank you for the promise that your word does not return void. It accomplishes the work for which you send it. So Lord, I ask, please, God, this morning, let your word do its work in our lives. We pray that there'd be nothing known in this place other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What we have not, we ask that you would give us. What we are not, we ask that you would make us. It's the name of the Lord we pray. Amen. Amen. So Christmas and this time of year is a time of expectation. This passage that we just read and that we're going to look at over the next little bit together is a, a picture of longing and expectation that God's people have for this rescuer, and we'll break down the context, but we, we know and understand what it means to have longing and expectation. Uh, we also understand as a people what it means for those longings and expectations not to be met. Uh, about, oh, I don't know how many years, 10 years ago or so, uh, my wife and I went to a Christmas party, and at this Christmas party, it was for her work, uh, we had white elephant gifts and did kind of the gift exchange. Many of you guys have done that before. And so I went into the white elephant uh, gift-giving uh, season very excited about what I would potentially be able to find or steal from someone else. And so I was excited about that. I'm sh- I don't even remember what I brought. I'm sure it wasn't very nice or something like that. You know, you hope to get good gifts, not bad gifts. You've done that before. And so we're there. We're in the party. It finally comes my turn. My number's called. Uh, and I go up. There's nothing out there I want to grab. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing what's on the table. You don't want it to be too heavy. That's really bad news. If it's really light, that's really bad news. Kind of right. So I find the right size and open it up. And what to my wondering I should appear but a Christmas snowman plate. Everything my heart had never desired to have. And so in that moment, I was just like, man, why, why did I have to get this? And I was really grouchy about it. And so I'm trying to find somebody who will like, take it from me so I can get something else. Um, I'm joking with some of the buddies there about how I can use it for target practice if like, I don't get it. And just really gloomy about this insignificant moment. And um, when the thing was over, this sweet little lady came up to me and just apologized and said, Paul, I'm sorry you got my gift. I, I went and bought it today. I thought it was the sweetest plate, and I just wanted to bring joy to somebody, but I'll give you the receipt. You can take it back. 
and it was just insert, open mouth and insert foot. It's like I had just been a jerk the whole time, caring nothing about except myself because I didn't get what I wanted. And I was like, this woman over here who's sweet and loves Jesus, I'm like tearing her heart apart like the whole time I'm there. And so I just feel that, uh, just how terrible of a person I am. And don't smile because you've done that before too, I'm sure. But why was that so hard for me? The reason why was because I had an expectation, I had a longing, even though it wasn't a very pure one, uh, and it wasn't met. My expectations were not met. They were not satisfied. And we know what that feels like, whether it's something really small or something really big. If it's a a life situation or whether it's just something you're going to get for Christmas, we know it's like to have a longing and an expectation and those longings and expectations not to be met. And the real reason why that plate bothered me so much is because in that moment, I was trying to find my joy in something instead of trying to placing it in someone, Jesus Christ. And that's what we do. Whether it's a relationship, a child, gift, a job, a school, grade, anything. We put our weight, our hope, our longing on these things that they will satisfy and fulfill our hearts. But the truth is, those things can't. No one can except one person. And Jesus has come for your joy and for my joy and in our longing and in our loss. And again, we know what that's like. In fact, this time of year, one of the reasons we come into Christmas with so much expectation is because we're looking forward to the presence under the tree or we're looking forward to time with family and maybe resolving some things or seeing that person or we're looking forward to that relationship happening. Or for some of you, you're just here and you're like, I'm ready to be done with 2016. Like, I'm done. It's past. Give me a new year. Others, it's the hope of a new year, a new job, a new course of life. But the thing is, whatever our hopes are, if they're wrapped in any of those things, those things in and of themselves cannot satisfy your soul or my soul. Advent is for our joy. And joy is so important and so fundamental that God's Word over 180 times talks about joy. In fact, Jesus himself would say that the purpose of his ministry, his coming to earth, his coming to rescue you, to rescue me, is for our joy, for God's glory, our joy. He would say it in John 15, 11. He said, I've told you these things, speaking to the disciples, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Not only did he say that, but in John 16, he said, I give to you a joy, and the joy that I give cannot be taken away. That there is a joy, it's a joy that's found in him, that comes from God, it's indestructible. Dr. Piper would use those words, John Piper. It's indestructible joy, it can't be taken. In fact, joy is so important and so fundamental to who God is and, and what we need as people that Jesus himself, the reason he went to the cross and the reason he was able to endure the weight of everything that happened there was joy. We know that because Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured shame. And that kind of joy that Jesus had, that joy he longs for you to have, the reason he came, can be found in you. In fact, John the Baptist would, would say, he must increase, I must decrease. Why would he say that? He must become more, I must become less. Because in the preceding verse he says, this joy 
of mine is now complete. There's a joy. Once you get it, that's all you need. I can go down, he can go up, life can get bad, it's okay, everything can go wrong, and John the Baptist ends up uh, dying. My joy is now complete. What would it look like for you and for me, for your family, for my family, for our church, for this community, if we had that kind of joy? And so we come to Isaiah 9, and we see a people in Israel who are headed to exile. They're headed to be taken away from their home. Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, taking them captive. It's a dark, dark time. In fact, the words gloom and anguish are in the first verse. And in it, God promises joy. And so what I want to do this morning is just walk through this text and look at five promises about joy that God gives to those people, gives to us, so that we can see and embrace what it means for us to find our joy in Him. So here is the first one for us this morning. In our waiting, God is in control and working for our joy. In our waiting, God is in control and working for our joy. Look at verse 1, chapter 9. But there will be no gloom. What's that mean? Currently they are in gloom. For her who was in anguish. That means currently they are in anguish. Gloom and anguish, those are not happy words, right? In the former time he brought contempt. There's another one. Into the Lamb and Zebulun and Naphtali. So again, context here. The children of Israel are being ripped away from their families. Ripped away from their homes. Ripped away from their country. Taken into captivity. You think life is bad or you've noticed a bad life, that is a bad day. That's a really bad day. That's not just like you put all the Christmas lights up on the house, test them, they all work, and you turn it on and one strand's not working. That's a bad day, but this is really bad day, right? Everything that you know and love has been taken away. And for some of you this morning, you, you feel that. That the things you love and you care about the most, it feels like it's just been ripped from you. And in that pain, and in that loss, and in that anguish, and in that gloom, and in that uncertainty, God is working for your joy, if you're a Christian. That's good news. Even when we can't see it, even when it's dark, even when it doesn't make sense, God is working for your joy. How do we know? Well, we keep reading. But in the latter times, what's coming... He has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And he starts talking even more about what that means. What is, so what's happened here? In their loss, in their waiting, in their hardship, God is promising that there's a joy coming. God is in control even when it seems like he's not. For some of us this morning, we need to hear that. That even we see that it says that in former time, he brought contempt into the land. What does that mean? God was the one that sent the children of Israel into exile. He used the Syrians. He used the Babylonians. He used the Persians to carry them away. You fast forward to the Christmas story, and kind of as an aside, if you want to do just a really neat Bible study on your own outside of this, read this passage in Isaiah next to Luke chapter 2, the coming of Jesus. Isaiah 9, promises made, promises made, promises made. You read Luke 2, Promises kept, promises kept, promises. It's fascinating how interwoven these two passages are when they're separated by over 400 years of time. And in Luke 2, you see a census by a wicked, barbarian 
ruler moves a family from Galilee to Bethlehem. God is in control of government. God is in control during crisis. God is even in control when it doesn't make sense. And he is working for your good and for your joy, for all those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's good news for us this morning, that he is coming and he is working. But sometimes, and this is one of the things that's really important for us to know, sometimes even in the God working and even him working for our joy, sometimes we don't get to see our prayers answered. All these promises that God makes about our joy that we're about to read, these people in this time period will not see the fulfillment of that. And for some of us, there's some things that you're longing for, praying for, believing God will do, that he is going to do, but he's not going to let you see it. And the question is, in those moments, is God still God and God still good? Is God still working for our joy even when we don't see those prayers answered? The answer is yes. How do we know? Look at this, verse 1. But in the latter times he's made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Now it's a really important phrase, and it's easy for us just to run past it. Why is it important? Because Galilee does not have the nations in it. Galilee is just a little area in Israel where Jews, Palestine would live. It was not a place of the nations. It's kind of like we were talking about earlier. Pastor Mike's from Irwin. It'd be like me saying, the Irwin is the hub of the nations. Like you probably think that's kind of funny or laugh at that. If you want a multicultural experience, you're probably not going to go to Irwin, right? Uh, nothing against Irwin at all. That's just not what you're going to think of when you're thinking cities in the United States that are multicultural or full of the nations. So what does that mean, the Galilee of the nations? We don't understand it until Luke 2, when there's a man named Joseph who's from Galilee, who takes his family because of a census and goes to Bethlehem. And out of Galilee, this is where Jesus would later grow up, Nazareth and Galilee, the nations have seen the truth of the gospel. And so, in the anguish, in the gloom, in the contempt, there's a promise for hope that is going to be fulfilled. So we can trust Him in those moments. And for some of you, this is where you are this morning. Hardship, uncertainty, waiting, loss, difficulty, pain, cancer, wayward children. In those moments, God is in control. And God is working for your joy. You can hope in him. And in the moment when Israel is headed to another city under exile, God is working for their joy to bring about the Savior of the world. That's good news for us. So that's the first promise. Here's the second promise. In our brokenness and shame, joy has come to us. So God, in our waiting, God is in control and God is working for our joy. But not only that, in our brokenness and shame, joy has come to us. Look at verse 2. The people who walked in darkness. What is in darkness? In sin. And they're not just there sinning. They are walking in sin. What people is he talking about? He's talking about Israel, God's people. God's people have rejected God. They've chased idols. They've dispossessed kings. They've stopped proper worship. 
and they are living in open rebellion to their God. The prophet Jeremiah would say that they are drinking out of broken cisterns that cannot hold water, and they're trying to be satisfied because they're looking at all these other gods, all these fake idols, and it does not bring the satisfaction their soul requires because they've forsaken their God. And so they are in sin, and they are in darkness. Look at what it goes on to say. Uh, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. That word dwell means to pitch your tent, to set up your home, to reside. They're living in darkness. Here's the point. This is what's so important for us, and it's so beautiful, is that God doesn't come to us when we've put ourselves together, and we've taken care of our sin, and we've fixed ourselves up. God comes to us in our sin, in our shame, in our brokenness, in our guilt, God comes to us. And if you're a believer this morning, that should awaken something inside your heart. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light on those who dwell in a land of deep darkness. On them light has shined in our brokenness, in our loss. That is where God comes. God doesn't want us we cannot, we are unable to fix ourselves. We need God to come to us. And what does he do? He shines the light of the gospel into our lives. I love the picture. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. On them a light has shined. Fast forward to the New Testament. God opening up our eyes to the shining of the light. Luke 2. There are shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And what happens? The glory of the Lord shone. Light comes. In their darkness, light comes. John 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. John 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And in our darkness, in our sin, in our rebellion, in our brokenness, in our shame, you know the things you've done. You know the things you've thought. You know the things you've said. You know the things that only God has seen in your life. You know what you carry. In those moments, God shines in and opens our eyes to see the truth of the sun. And not only does he shine in, but he steps into our brokenness. He incarnates. He comes down. John 1, 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God with us. We sang about it earlier. He steps into our mess and our brokenness. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus this morning, God has stepped into your brokenness. He doesn't want you to fix yourself. He comes in. And if you are a Jesus follower, you should celebrate and rejoice in the fact that even when your heart still runs the other way, God has stepped in knowing that. I'm a father of four children, five years old and under, which means it's chaos all the time in our home. It's fun, but it's chaos. And we just, we love it and we live in it. And one thing that um, you might know about me, if you know me well, is I'm a squeamish person. Like, blood and juices and all that kind of stuff is not for me. It's not for the faint of heart. I am the faint of heart. I try to stay away from those things. I'm all about blood drives, but I want to keep my blood inside my veins, all that kind of stuff, because I just I struggle with that. And as a parent of four children, that's a bad thing, right? Because there's stuff all the time you have to deal with. So early on with our daughter, Evie, she just has this thing where she just gets sick and vomits all the time, or not all the time, but sometimes randomly. 
And so when she was really little, my, my wife left, and I was just there with the two, taking care of them, doing dad stuff, and all of a sudden, she loses her breakfast everywhere. I'm sorry, I know it's kind of gross, but I'm just, for sermon illustration, this is what happened. And so in that moment, I have two choices. One choice is to say, you made your mess, you clean yourself up, right? Like that's, that's a good dad saying kind of thing. That's a, that's a choice. The other choice is to step into her mess and to rescue her. And honestly, it wasn't even a decision. I stepped in to the mess. I cleaned her off. Uh, you know, I put new clothes on her. I got messy in the process, but I loved her. And I wasn't going to leave her in that. And she was afraid. She didn't understand what was happening to her. So I step in to rescue her. And in such a greater sense, that's what God has done for us. He doesn't look at you and say, you made your mess. Clean it up. You've broken your marriage. Clean it up. You've messed up your kids. Clean it up. You've committed adultery. Clean it up. What does he do? He steps into our mess. He bears our guilt and shame. He not only steps in with us, but he robes us and clothes us in his own righteousness. He dies in our place. He comes in to save us. And this is the beauty of joy. Joy comes to us when we are our weakest. But not only that, that brings us to the third promise about joy, is that in our longings, Joy is found in a person, and his name is Jesus, not in our circumstances. In our longings, in your deepest desires, what you are looking for and longing for is not a change of circumstance. It's Jesus himself. The object of joy is the Son of God. Let me show you uh, how this comes to play here in chapter 9. Look at verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. You, there's an object, so there's a person doing this, have increased its joy. There's our word. Someone has increased the joy. They rejoice before you. So there's someone they are rejoicing in. As with joy at the harvest. So there's this joy, again, think expectation and longing. A harvest does not come without tilling the soil and pulling the weeds and planting the seed. In a long time, there's a joy that's coming, and it's in a person. So the question is, who is the person that joy is going to be found in? Verse 4, for the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken on the day of Midian. What, what is all that about? Well, the rod and the oppressor and the yoke, all those things, they are for Israel. And it's saying he's going to break those bonds. He is going to set the captives free. And sin leads to our bondage. Sin takes us from freedom. Sin puts burden on us. In the picture of Midian, if you remember back to Judges uh, chapter 6, Midian is the enemy that took over Israel. And God rescues Israel from Midian through a guy named Gideon. And if you remember the story of Gideon, with 300 men, without even raising a sword, God defeats this massive army. And so what he's saying is just like Israel was under oppression and bondage back then, there's a rescuer who's going to come and set the captives free. And it's going to be a victory like the victory Gideon won that day. Let's keep going. For every brood of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. So who is going to do those things? Verse 6 is the answer. Let's read it together. For to us, a child is born. Who's the rescuer, the victor, the person who's going to bring your joy and my joy? A baby. Not what we would expect. 
not what Israel is expecting. They're expecting a, a king, a conquering king with an, an army who's going to come save the day. You know, we would expect a Superman or a Thor or someone who's like, looks like Pastor Mike, you know, to come in and be the rescuer, right? But no, it's a baby. A baby. But not any kind of baby. Let's keep going. He's a son. To us, a son is given. The government, all authority will be upon his shoulders. And listen to his name. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. All wisdom is his. He's the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Everything your heart longs for and my heart longs for is found in this child, found in this son. Joy is not found in our circumstances. It's found in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Do you need freedom today? Do you carry weight and burdens today? Jesus is the victor, like Gideon. Do you need direction? He is the wonder of a counselor. Do you come in this morning and you need help? He is the, not just God, but the mighty God. The one who is greater than any opposition that we can face. Do you need stability? Well, he is the everlasting. He was before time and will go on after time. He's constant. Do you need family? He's the father and he brings us through adoption into his family. Do you need peace? Jesus brings peace. He's the prince of peace. He brings Flourishing is what that word means, and thriving to your soul and to your life. Everything your heart desires this morning is met in Jesus and the joy that is found in Him. Everything your heart longs for. Yeah, you, you might want to be married. You might want this for your kids. You might want to change this for a job. You might just want to be healed. You, you want those things. It's, it's okay, but ultimately, the thing that your soul longs for the most isn't those things. It's Jesus. Why? Because you and I were created for him. And there's this promise that the one who embodies joy is going to come. He's going to come and he's going to make all things right for you and for me and the people of Israel. That our satisfaction is in him. Psalm 145, 16 says, You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Everything your heart desires is found in him. That joy is in him. In fact, the angels would say in Luke 2, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Who's included in all people? All people. Your joy, my joy is found in a person. So how? How does this happen? How can joy be won for us who are those in brokenness and who are lost? How can joy come to us? And that brings us to the fourth promise. In our separation, joy is only made possible through the sacrifice of the Savior. The way joy comes is through the sacrifice of the Savior. Look at verse 6 again. To us a child is born. Here's the key words. To us a son is given or offered. The only way we get to God, the only way we get to joy is through the offering of the Son, through the sacrifice. One of the things that we see here, that we see all throughout Scripture, is the picture of the sacrifice of the Son and the sacrifice of the Lamb. And so in Genesis 
3, we see Adam and Eve's fall and their failure, but God promises that through the seed of a woman, uh, there's going to be a son who's going to crush the head of a serpent. And just a few verses later, he says that God clothed Adam and Eve in garments, their nakedness. The only way he could do that was through the shedding of blood, killing of an animal. The first death in human history comes at the hand of God. We don't know what kind of animal, but I'd like to think it's probably a lamb. Because you get to Genesis 22, and Abraham goes to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac, and God stops him and gives him instead the sacrifice of a ram. And that ram, it's important because he's caught by its horns so that his fleece would be unblemished for us. And then you fast forward to Leviticus 17, and it's through the shedding of blood that we have forgiveness of sins. And it's through the sacrificial system that lambs are slain on behalf of the people. And you get to Isaiah 53, where it talks about the son who's going to come, and he's going to be broken in our place. And it says, he will be like a lamb who before his shearers is silent. And then bursting onto the scene in Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born. And he's not in a palace. Where is he? Manger. What's in a manger? Sheep. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes, blankets that would be used to wrap a lamb to protect its fur so that it could, or wool, so that it could be sacrificed one day. And the first people that God goes to are what? Shepherds, keeping watch over their flock by night. Why would they keep watch of their flock? Because their lamb's going to be sacrificed on behalf of the people's sin. Then Jesus steps on the scene, earthly ministry, and John the Baptist see him, and what does he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The way joy comes to you and the way joy comes to me is through the sacrifice of the Son given for you and given for me. Joy comes to the death of Jesus. There is no Easter without Christmas. The hope of Christmas is a cross. And that is what we celebrate. And that has our joys made possible. And if you don't know joy, and you've not known joy and peace and hope like that, it's through the sacrifice of Jesus in your place, in my place. Trust Him today. Place your hope in Him today. Believe in Him today. And for those of us who are believers, look to Him today. Remember His sacrifice in your place, in my place today. Remember, that is what Christmas is about. That is where our joy is found. It's not in our circumstances. It's in our Savior who died for you and for me. But it's not just a joy that comes to us once. And it's not a joy that leaves us. Happiness is an emotion, a feeling that leaves us and comes and goes. Joy is found even in pain, right? Joy can be found in suffering. Joy can be found in loss because joy is deeper. Joy is something that motivates and roots you even in the hardest, most difficult times. Why? Because this leads us to our last truth. In a temporal world, joy is forever. This world is going to fade away. Everything is going to go away, but joy lasts forever. That's why the people of God can live in hope. That's why we can walk and make much of our lives. That's why we can go to Oregon and we can leave everything behind and go to people who don't know Jesus because joy is eternal and that is what we need and that's where our hope is and we know that God is coming again. So look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This joy is forever. 
It won't be fully known and realized till we get to see our Savior face to face, but it will be forever. It is eternal. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, Jesus was from Bethlehem, he's descendant of David, to establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness. At the cross, justice and righteousness kissed. God is fully just in punishing Jesus on your behalf and on my behalf. But we become righteous in God's eyes through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so this joy does not end from this time forth and forevermore. Listen to this promise. The zeal, the fervor, the passion of the Lord of hosts will do this. Joy is not only coming, but it has come. And this joy cannot be stolen. It's indestructible. It's a joy that lasts forever. Even though we don't last forever on this world, joy lasts forever. And that joy can fill and fuel our lives and our passion and our ministry and our families. And it gives us purpose today until our lives are over and we go and we experience that joy in eternity. And so we live with hope today because there is a day coming We live today in light of the day when the sky opens and the second advent of Jesus Christ comes. And so we walk into our offices tomorrow with purpose and with joy, carrying good news of great joy. You walk into your school tomorrow with purpose because you carry good news of great joy that will be to all people. You go back home to your children who don't know Jesus today and you carry good news of great joy to them. Amen? You go back to your spouse who may be a believer, maybe not, and you carry good news of great joy that is deeper than anything you can find in your marriage. We carry that as the people of God. And so in conclusion, here's why I want to ask you two questions. Have you known this joy? Has this joy been yours? As you're hearing the pictures from the video and you, you heard the testimonies from the baptism of the life change, the joy they found in Jesus, do you know that? And if you'd say, Paul, I, I've never experienced that kind of joy. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you can. By faith, repentance, believing in him, confessing your sin, placing your faith in him, we would love to talk to you, pray with you, Follow Jesus, trust him today, and this joy may be yours. And for those of us who do know Christ, who do love the Lord, what are you trying to find your joy in today? What is your soul longing for today? What are you hoping in today? Is it Christ? Is it something? Is it a change? Is it a person? Is it a grade? Is it a healing? Where is it the Lord? That's why we talk about we want you to have an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Abiding is position. It's understanding and believing and constantly coming back to who we are in Jesus Christ. But then it's also a pursuit of him through the word and through prayer. We long for you. I long for my family. I long for me that we would live in the joy that is ours. And that joy would carry us to do crazy things, to risk it all for the glory of King Jesus because he's worth it and because he's coming again. 
and because there are people who don't know him. There are people who are going to sit at your Christmas table two weeks from the day who are seconds away from a Christless eternity, and you carry good news of great joy. And the power of the Holy Spirit on high lives in you. So carry that message. Don't be ashamed of the message. Carry it with you. Let it fuel you. Let it guide you. And find your joy in Christ today. Let's pray. We love you, Father God. We thank you for the good news of great joy that is to all people. And we celebrate that today. I just pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I just pray for them that today their joy would be in you and their joy would be full. I pray that for my own heart. I don't embody this. I struggle with this. My, my heart chases other things, and so I just pray over them and over myself from Psalms that you would unite our hearts to fear your name this morning. And for anyone in this place who doesn't know you, who's never experienced the joy that Wayne has or Mackenzie has, Lord, I pray today you would open their eyes, that you would shine your glory into their heart and into their mind, that you would rescue them. Thank you that we have good news of great joy. And I just pray for our church family that as we walk into Christmas, we would carry with confidence the good news of the joy that is eternal, and that we would live in light of that day, today and every day. God, please do these things. In your name we pray. Amen.